0: Welcome to the pod, everyone. A shout out to SGS. Hey, Rusty. Why are we uh, partnering with SGS? Uh, uh, some 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 good people there. Pretty excited about their sports coaching courses and sports courses. Keen to make them industry ready, so when people leave, they're able to go and transfer into any kind of industries, coaching, teaching, being an analyst, business, whatever it might be. So I think uh, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting times, really. So what's so special about their degree courses
1: that others won't be doing? I
0: think it'll be lots of uh, real good partnerships, uh, opportunities for people to, to get into different contexts and learn and practice. It'll be feel very applied. People will be stretched and supported and will leave you know, ready and just go... Thrive in the uh, big old world out there
1: sgs college is the home of bristol's higher education sports programs the programs are designed to develop unique innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future start your journey here at sgs college and become more than just a graduate visit sgscol.ac.uk to apply now
0: anastasia long uh, Rusty and Elsa here to ask you some questions, which is exciting for Elsa and for Dad. Uh, How are you? You well?
1: Yeah, very well, thank you. And you guys?
0: We're good, we're good. Are you cool? Yeah. Of course you are. Um, what do you think Anastasia has been doing today? What do you think? Do you think she's been at Rugby? Should we ask her?
1: No.
0: Okay. What have you been doing today, Anastasia?
1: I've been hanging with the family today. So I was right. You were right! <laughs>
0: but she was also, you. weren't you commentating a little bit today?
1: Uh, yesterday I commentated on oh, the, yes, uh, the yes. West
0: um, Games, that's so cool. Oh that's cool, sweet. Well, quick, quick kind of recap, how did we get here today? Have I met you? Uh, what's your rugby journey? If you could do it all in under 93 seconds that would be pretty cool.
1: Mm, Okay, started my coaching journey at Graveney, now at Trinity School Croydon via Old Ruts, started as a rugby physio, met you on countless occasions, firstly at the Wellington Festival years and years and years ago, and I am now coaching the under-14s and under-13s at Trinity.
0: Nice, oh, that's cool, and, and I was excited this year because I got to go to Old Ruts and hang uh, in September or, or end of August. But uh, probably reminded me of of what rugby club should feel like. It was probably um, how I, how I recall <laughs> it. What, what do you think? I thought about it when I came. What was the stuff that was uh, that was cool?
1: Um, how chaotic it was! It was. I think we we're playing on the cricket pitch, which probably didn't impress the groundsman. We yeah. had about 400 kids playing one massive game with about seven different balls and a cameraman desperately trying to keep out of the way of everything stuck in the middle and you just getting mobbed by kids fairly regularly.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed that. Was, I think it was the fact that it was just like so many people there and felt like it was like the centre of the community, which for me is the purpose of rugby clubs. Um, kids having fun. Um, there was a barbecue we'll probably come back to barbecues later again Uh, and it just seemed like it was it was a it was a fun place to be and didn't feel like kids were too constrained they were often just running around and enjoying themselves and yeah I think that was my sense
1: yeah definitely it's it it's something that the guys have been really receptive to, I think, since it started. I've got a great Kids First chairman in Stu Campbell, and he's just taken on board everything from kind of the, the day one, basically. And he's been influential in all the other coaches taking on that that real Kids First type mentality. And he's those guys are just absolutely loving the Magic Academy stuff. They're loving the coaching cards. And yeah, the kids are having so much fun that the parents who might have been questioning our intentions behind this because maybe there weren't there wasn't enough mentions of medals and trophies and stuff all of them are just so on board now that it's yeah it's embed really embedded throughout the whole club ethos right up to the seniors as well
0: he's a good lad Stu he's got good energy hasn't he
1: yeah he's unbelievably good
0: uh, well, tell me about your journey so I'm, i didn't i didn 't start with it initially, but on Facebook recently, you put on a post of uh, of a few years ago like this time five years ago ten years ago i won 't embarrass you with how long ago it was but um, well, it was it was really, really about a game that was abandoned wasn 't it because of the because of the school do you want to you want to fill me in
1: yeah i was I literally opened my facebook and on my timeline it came up with a memory. I think it was, I think it was at least five. I'm going to go five plus years to try and <laughs> save some shred of dignity in this story. And I, I'd written about how amazing it was that my old Ruts team had beaten somebody by, um, well, it, the game had got to 50 points, so it had to be stopped. And and I was just so chuffed thinking I was like the best coach in the world because my team had absolutely demolished someone else's team. And <laughs> all of their enjoyment probably at the same time and I just looked at it and I thought I really wish I could just delete this from ever having been in the public domain and then I thought do you know what I really need to share this because this is how far I've come and, and it's so rare that as a coach you get an opportunity to measure how far you've come because it's really subjective and um, it's really objective sorry and I just thought actually this is a really good measure of something that was that's how I was then and this is how I am now and yeah I suppose I left my dignity at the door and I thought I'm going to share this and just put it out there in and in the yeah. in inspire others.
0: I'm always looking for coaches that have been on that journey so if there's people listening and want to contact me 100% I would want to do podcasts with people like that and just find out what it was when you came to the realisation what's been the what's been the benefits so what what stuff have you noticed what's been the The difference now for the for the kids that you're coaching
1: um well interestingly like I was thinking about this because I was thinking what what actually was that moment where I realized that this wasn't beneficial and and ironic it's actually really ironic that the better the kids got the more I realized how important it was for them to lose or for them to be challenged in different ways so I didn't learn this because I was that coach who'd been on the back of a a thumb ping or my kids were demoralised because they didn't want to play anymore because they'd had really negative experiences. If anything, it was that in my quest to try and be the best coach I could be by making my kids just this unbeatable team, I actually realised that I was doing them the biggest disservice that I could. And I then, I suppose, realised the bigger picture of the fact that we i think at under uh, so this is an old rut uh, under fifteen we still had three teams, and i just didn't kind of i wasn't really happy with how much movement there was between teams and the fact that the guys would kind of have little they weren't they weren't clicks, i suppose, but there was definitely like three streams within that. And I just kind of thought, actually, are the guys in the C team getting the same opportunities that the guys in the A team are getting? And and that's when I just realized we we need to be doing something different here. And we were still getting kids coming in to the sport quite late. So because I was at a state school still, there were kids that were trying rugby for the first time at under 15. And I suddenly realized that Actually, if you put all those guys in a team together of people who've never really played together, they're not going to have a great experience. They're not going to learn as much. So, we mixed things up and we had some seriously good kids in that age group. And we just started to do mixed teams. And the kids who'd only just started playing, their learning curve just skyrocketed. And the kids who were already really good skyrocketed again. And I was kind of looking, thinking, there was me thinking that it would be holding back the better kids because they would be playing with kids that might frustrate them or who might get thrown a pass and then drop it and they'd get really annoyed with them and it would be a really kind of negative experience for everyone involved and instead it made the good kids even better because suddenly they had to start helping the other kids they had to make decisions based on okay well who have I got around me and what are they going to know to do in this situation and suddenly we started seeing leadership coming through we started seeing real kind of deep caring for each other and that for me was just so much more important than who was going to win a match, and then it would all be forgotten about by the following week.
0: Yeah, which has answered one of Elsa's questions. Elsa, you had three questions. First, not you. I
1: have another one. Oh, you got
0: another one. What? Oh, I love it. Like, what, your, which was your one about the A and the B team? What was your question about that?
1: Um, if you, if if you had two matches against the same per- people, but half of, but you did. But there was half. But you, one team played against half of them, and the other didn't. Would you choose the A team go first and the B team go second, or mixed match? Mix, a half mixed, and then the other half. Um, and then the other half go against. Cool
0: question. Team. That was your question. Wow. What yeah, you, that was cool. What do you think, Stash? Is, Stash, what do you think?
1: I'm. I'm definitely going to mixed teams. I think for the benefit of my own players as well as the opposition and what, what would you rather play in Elsa?
0: Do you rather play mixed or A and B? Yes. Yeah, good answer, well done. High five, sure. And your other question was about, do you just, do you think Stasier is going to coach,
1: what was that? of about? Oh, um, do you think the people you, you're going to, your coaching will be better at coaching than you when they're older? Great question. Yeah, that's a great question. I think
0: I don't, do you think it'll be quite hard to be better than Stasha? do you think she's good? She's good.
1: <laughs> no I reckon I reckon there'll be I reckon there'll be plenty in there that hopefully will be better coaches than me because hopefully they've had better playing experiences so I've never played rugby before so for me I've n- never known what it's been like to be on the receiving end of rugby coaching but I've seen people kind of right across the spectrum of coaches so those that have those that are coaching the way they were coached and then those that are coaching purely based on what they've learned as a coach and so I just I suppose what I hope is that I've given the kids that I coach enough exposure to other coaches that they've had loads of different experiences they've not just had me because what I might think is good somebody else might think is they might they might do something way better than I do so I hope that those kids have had the opportunity to lif- listen to different voices and then they pick the bits they like, they pick the bits they don't like and hopefully they would have had more experiences to draw from than I have
0: Cool, is that a good answer? Does that answer your question? Yeah cool. What if someone was coached by Daddy, what do you think that would be like? Being coached by Daddy I do not
1: know
0: Annoying Probably annoying I, I, I'm, also, I'm also really uh jealous of um young coaches now i just think there's so much possibility in coaching so they have access to other environments So dave Lotti put on twitter you know the other day anyone interested in inviting me in and to get like 30 invites to different environments clearly people are talking more about coaching there's access to lots of different resources and I I do think it's a it's quite an exciting space to be in compared to probably 10 20 years ago
1: yeah I think I think even going back to kind of when I was being coached at school or when I was diving I think it was almost like everything was cloak and dagger it was almost like oh if I'm doing something really well I've got to hide this from other people and I've got to make sure no one steals my ideas and all you're doing there is assuming that your ideas are better than everybody else's and that you couldn't possibly learn anything from anyone else because there was just zero sharing going on so yeah i absolutely love the environment that we've got now where so we're doing a new leadership thing at school where um we're trying to get more non-e staff to to do more sports coaching and to if they're not a specialist in a certain sport to still love coaching And so we're now going into little coaching groups where we're all going to provide feedback for each other. And there's going to be loads of shared learning going on and it's going to be mixed across different sports and that kind of thing. So we can learn a from different sports, how they do things, but also just what we can learn from maybe coaches who don't have as much sports coaching experience and, and what their take on things are. And yeah, I'm really excited for that because there's an opportunity for academic staff to like challenge the PE staff or well, why do you do things like this and what do you think the benefits going to be for that and so as a school we're really excited about the the impact that that's going to have on our on our coaching across kind of every team across every sport not just your major sports and not just your first team and so on.
0: That's cool I was um reminded of the stuff they're doing at millfield as well where they're connecting up teaching and coaching and also brianston was a good example where the biology teachers have been watching the pe teachers teach and they've gone oh, actually you guys probably do anatomy in a more engaging way than we do so uh what, yeah, are the school, what are the cool stuff you're doing at the school
1: um loads of things really we're we're doing a lot of um interactive feedback with the kids so where they watch uh, stuff back on Huddle. And we pose questions to them, and it's all interactive as they're watching the analysis of their games and that kind of thing. Um, we are we've done live streaming for the first time, so we're trying to get loads of buy-in from parents and people who can't always come and watch, so that they get to watch their kids. Because I think there's a, a massive enjoyment factor for that. The kids know that their parents are watching, even if they're not on the sidelines. So we had our first live streamed uh, under 13 sevens on Friday. That was really cool, and we're also. Yeah, just doing loads of stuff around condition games and how the how the kids solve problems within the game as well. So loads mm-hmm. of scenario stuff and yeah, loads of challenges.
0: Strong, cool. Elsa, have you got one more question for Stash before you go? i <coughs> You've forgotten the question. Mm-hmm. You've drawn a picture of me and Stash. talking. That's quite exciting. would be pass. Have you got the question or not? Have you? Was it, was it um, what was Carl Sinker like when he was younger? Oh, no, 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 no. Go on, what was it? If you had to break one
1: rule, what would it be? If you had oh, to yeah. break
0: one rule, what would it be? Nice.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, so I'm going to go with you can throw the ball forwards if you're throwing it to yourself.
0: So you can throw it over someone instead of kicking it over
1: someone. So you could, you could throw it forwards, but only if it's you that catches it. So you couldn't like throw it 30 metres forwards to someone who's massively offside. And obviously you could only throw it as far forward as you could then get on the end of. But I just think that would mix it up so much. What are you thinking? she doesn't look convinced
0: she doesn't look convinced convinced. that's cool any more questions is that your last question yeah cool strong questions Uh, tell me about Carl Sinclair tell me what he was like are you surprised he's doing well he's rocking it for England at the moment isn't he
1: yeah I'm not surprised at all to be honest
0: so what ages did you coach him
1: um I think he was about 12 or 13 when he first asked me if we could have a rugby team I'm not sure I can say that I really coached him as such I think that would be like in the loosest sense of the word um I ensured he got to the right pitch by uh yeah getting him in the minibus and taking them all there and I ensured he was well hydrated by filling up the water bottles and um yeah I I I like to think I kind of nudged him in the right direction and and made sure he took opportunities when he got them and tried to get him and his friends some opportunity to play rugby because that was massive for him. He was playing rugby outside school for his club. He was he'd been picked up by Colin Osborne at Quinn's, but he desperately wanted to play with his mates. And there was a few of them that were so George Merrick was playing for Carl Shulton boys that was just up the road and I remember I've got this great photograph at the end of a game where Kyle's shaking hands with George Merrick and it was Graveney versus Carl Shulton boys at um, Poulter Park in Mitcham, which was basically just a public park and we just used to rock up and on one of the pitches there was a, a manhole cover in the middle of the pitch so that was always quite dubious and yeah we, we had we had a good laugh with each other he taught me loads and loads of those boys are now still playing rugby one of them is a club captain at Battersea Ironsides where Kyle started and uh, a few of them are still still playing now which is great as adults that means they had a good experience as kids that they're still playing now at amateur level or club level um, and yeah but in terms of his coaching it was more he was coaching me I suppose and my husband All used to come time, along and ref because I time, didn't know the rules.
0: What type of stuff did you learn from him?
1: Um, sometimes a bit of choice language that was always entertaining. <laughs> um, I yeah, most things really. Um, the fact that not many people messed with him when he was arriving at a ruck and he could set up a driving mall by backing into the opposition and sort of almost pulling half of his team along with him. None of them really knowing what was going on, but he was just telling them in no uncertain terms to keep pushing. And, and also I learned that you should never stereotype somebody based on their body shape into what position they play because yeah, he, he kind of did a bit of everything. So did some of the others and yeah it was it was interesting I think if if those games had been videoed I think people would have watched them thinking what on earth is going on here yeah
0: thank god video didn't exist back in the day yeah
1: yeah yeah um,
0: uh, 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 let's think about your journey a bit now then what would you a couple of people asked me questions around what would your advice be to to female coaches in the game so obviously did a pod with Giselle the other day um, got a couple more coming up and you're in the minority. <clears throat> so yep. actually, I went to um, Long Eaton on Friday night and there was probably, out of about 60 people, there was probably 15 female coaches, which would be a record. Yeah, that's a lot. That was pretty mind-blowing.
1: Yep. I've, I've,
0: you've, you've been to lots of things that I've been at and you've been the only lady there.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, Um, don't don't be offended by emails that start dear chaps or dear gents (laughs) Um, don't be offended by being the only woman and don't let it bother you either because you're there because you're interested or because you're pursuing something that you want to do so for me although I often notice that I'm the only female I've never been anywhere where I've been treated any differently because I'm female so, don't kind of have a perception in your head that you shouldn't be there or that people won't think you're welcome because if people don't treat you differently, I've always found that most of the time it's because people are not seeing you as any different to the, your male counterparts. So, I think sometimes females get put off by in their own head what their perceptions are of, oh, I'm the only female, that means I don't belong here. Well, unless anybody gives you the impression or kind of says anything or does anything that makes you feel you shouldn't be there then that's just in your own head so try and have the confidence to think actually yeah you're you're quite within your right to be there go out there and enjoy it and actually everybody that I've found in rugby has just been so respectful and if anything I've probably had more opportunities afforded to me because I've been female than if I was a, a male counterpart
0: yeah 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 that's a fair point
1: so I think sometimes
0: who, who learning off over the years which give me some give me some coaches people should go and hang with or environments you've been to or what's the where's the where's the magic happening
1: um well I suppose I've not had a a, a huge opportunity to be around different people at Graveney I was the only one doing all the rugby so it was just me and I'd kind of just see other coaches on the sidelines, but. Um, I used to absolutely love the little dream team of you, Fletch and Waltz. That was Thanks. awesome. You guys yeah, were definitely so definitely my inspiration uh, to just see the game completely differently than I even knew kind of existed. Kyle, so you
0: Kyle, Kyle kick to the
1: weekend. Sorry? Yes, I know. And I was so annoyed that the commentators were like, he was trying to kick it off the pitch to have a rest. I'm like, hey, we're four minutes into the game. And it's you're doing that. Kid yeah you're just assuming that because he's a prop he would want play to end uh, because he's tired I just i don't know like that really frustrated me because I think that those kind of messages then subtly go across to coaches to make them think that oh, if I ever see a prop kicking, it must be because they're tired and they want to they want a stoppage in play rather than actually I should be rewarding. Or even asking him, okay, what made you kick? What what did you see that made you think that the kick was the right option? And and then base your judgment on what the answer that you get. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and Billy kicked, but there was a fair amount of so Andy Gude on Twitter got pretty aggro, didn't he? And then quite a few yeah. people thought well, was disrespectful and I was thinking that was quite cool. I thought Billy, Billy's kick was probably better a uh, better execution than Kyle's. Yeah. But, I, who else have you hung out with? You obviously, you guys do one of the teacher days every year. So thirteenth of June, we're back at uh, Trinity for the greatest barbecue known to man. I'm yeah. starving myself already. Um, <laughs> who else on the circuit, the school circuit, or you know, or around the clubs? Who have you enjoyed hanging with? Which which coaches?
1: Um, I suppose. I suppose because grassroots rugby is something that's really close to my heart the people that I I respect the most and this is not in any way disrespectful to those that are operating at kind of the higher level clubs and teams but I I absolutely love it when you turn up to tournaments with different age groups and you see the same PE teacher from a state school turn up with all the different age groups Mm. and they turn up with so much energy and you know that and I personally know all the barriers and hoops they've had to kind of jump through and get over in order to be there because maybe they're the only one doing rugby in their school or there's only one minibus so it was a toss-up between which team is going to go to a match that day and those are the guys that I have kind of so much respect for and that I know kind of what goes into their coaching that it's not just what goes on on the pitch it's everything else um but, yeah, I mean you don't have to look far at all to see really inspirational coaches, so i' I'm, I'm really lucky i've got Warren Abrahams, who's going to be my level three mentor um, really excited to be working with him. I think he's doing some really cool stuff with the various teams he's working with um, I've learned loads from the the guys at Harlequin's, which has been been great and yeah, and then I suppose it's been from the teacher development days where you guys have opened it up to different people within those sessions so Nick Boy and I ran a session at Dalit last year that did. was cool um,
0: Noughts and Crosses
1: Noughts and Crosses yeah and uh, do you know what I think the thing I'm most grateful for is the coaches that I get to work with on a daily basis at, at Trinity uh, I think we might not be the most well-known school for rugby but in terms of our coaching pedigree that we've got there every day I just look around me and I just think, wow, we've got some seriously good coaches. So you've got Ian Kench, who's our director of rugby. He inspires me every day, just in terms of like his energy and the relationship he has with the boys. You've got Freddie Gabataz, Paul Roberts, um, Jibo, Grant um, Beresford-Miller.
0: Too many to mention. Too many to to mention.
1: Too many to mention. But yeah, those guys are, are just incredible in terms of the amount of energy they bring with the kids. And yeah, I just I just feel privileged to be working with them every day.
0: And, and your headmaster, Mr. Kennedy, is one of the only four headmasters to have ever hugged me.
1: So, <laughs> uh, I love he's that. In
0: a very, uh, he's in a very select group of people.
1: Yeah, he loves his rugby as well, which is cool.
0: Yeah, what? And then you've been doing a bit of commentary stuff. So how's that come about? What's been the, what's been, how come you're turning into the next Ben K? Well, hopefully, yeah.
1: <laughs> it actually came about from a conversation with you. Was when actually, I tell you what, it was after the Wellington Festival when Eddie Jones was doing um, a question and answer session. Do you remember with him and Susie Brown and people like that? Yeah, and and we were talking.
0: And one more, I can't remember.
1: Yeah, it was um, oh, um, from Newcastle Falcons. Ed
0: Hall was it Ed Hall. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, no, Aidan, Aiden. Aiden.
0: Oh, was it Aiden?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Aiden, and yeah, we well, were. It was, we Ed, were it was Ed. It
0: was Ed Hall. It was
1: Ed T Hall. Ed T Hall. Okay. Um, so we were, yeah, we were talking, and we were, we were talking about kind of how to change the perceptions of why we, why we use different rules at Wellington, and why there's different kind of conditions and stuff. And I think I posed a question um, to Eddie about the fact that we're doing all of this so it's going to work from the academies down and through the clubs and schools and that kind of thing but surely the media is one of our biggest kind of challenges in terms of they sometimes give a different message during games through their commentary like um things like oh don't play in the red zone uh watch your exit strategy and got to earn the right to go wide and go through the phases and all that kind of thing and and we just kind of had a chat really around how those if those messages were changed would we get a different outcome because if your average under nine Sunday dad coach is watching a match and he's hearing all these things is that kind of subtly determining what he's then going to be coaching his kids and so I said to you that I thought it'd be really cool if we were able to do like a kind of alternative commentary I suppose and so that's something that you kindly hooked me up with Richard Jackson from Cheers Mate. Cheers,
0: mate. And cheers, mate. I was
1: Cheers Mate, yeah. And I was able to, to go and commentate on England Death versus Wales Death at Cardiff Farms Park, which was um, a great experience. And, and then most recently you to Cardiff Farms Park to do it. Yeah. Oh
0: wow, that's cool.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. Actually it was my first time in Wales as well. Can you believe what it? Is-
0: And you secretly want to be a commentator, don't you? That would be, as well as working at the school, it would be a dream job, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I'd never done it before. I've no media training or anything, and I stepped foot into the back of this little transit van that had been set out, like set up so brilliantly, and it was so professional. And I just sat in front of the mic, and I, I've just never felt more at home. And I absolutely loved it. I just, yeah, it was just the opportunity to, to. kind of watch the game that you love and then talk about it and give your perceptions and i just remember thinking this is brilliant like this this could actually be someone well this is someone's job but this could potentially be something that i do and i I had a chat with some of the guys at the one of the kids first uh, mentoring sessions that i went to and those guys were quite keen to maybe put something in place through Kids First to try and get that message out to clubs and schools. And so they got me the opportunity yesterday to go and uh, co-coms on the under 18 NatWest Games. So I did all four matches yesterday from Allianz Park and, yeah, with Jack Zorab, um, who spoke very highly of you. And that was another great experience and the opportunity, I suppose, to watch a very different um, set of matches in the, some of the highest level schoolboy school rugby um, it was amazing.
0: Nice. Am I getting ten percent?
1: Yeah, obviously my, <laughs> volu- my volunteer salary. <laughs> oh, that's cool. What
0: um, and what is your take? What are you noticing in schoolboy rugby at the moment? Obviously, you get to hang around a lot, and you obviously watched the games yesterday. What type of stuff did you notice in the
1: games? Um, I'm. I was really pleased that there was. There seemed to be lots and lots of player, player-led decision making so previously I think in years gone by there's been quite a lot of joystick coaching that goes on so coaches who are literally pulling the strings all the time telling the kids what to do um, the coach is the only one who speaks at half time in the huddle and that kind of thing and there was hardly any of that yesterday in almost all the huddles when the camera zoomed in because obviously we were sat quite far back so when the camera zoomed in um, 90% of the time, it was the kids that were doing the talking, and not just the captain. There was people um, all around those little huddles that were that were putting their opinions across, and and I absolutely loved that because ultimately they're the ones that can do something with that information when they get on the pitch. Um, what else did I like? I loved the fact that there were some there were some big sides out there. I mean, they were massive for schoolboy level, and there was nowhere near the level of collisions into the number of collisions that you see when you watch rugby on TV. So there was so much evasion going on. There was so many players just, even though for those guys, that was probably the biggest game they'd ever played in, in terms of importance and where they were and that kind of thing, knowing what the outcome of that game was going to be. Yet they were just throwing these offloads. They weren't, there were so many teams that were just running it out of their own 22, running it from a scrum on their own five metre line. And there was not, not a hint that, oh, OK, just kick it down. We've got to exit. We've got to clear our lines. We've got to get out of the 22. We can't, don't, we can't throw offloads in the 20. There was just none of that. And that filled me with loads of confidence for, for the game going forwards. Because, yeah, I think that's such a well-needed change from maybe how rugby was played previously. And specifically, what might be seen as a must-win game. In inverted commas.
0: Yeah, yeah we were. Um, I was at Long Eaton and we trained in uh, practically pitch darkness on Friday night, and the kids were like ninjas. So I joined for <laughs> ten minutes. Uh, someone tackled me, and um, <laughs> and it was really hard to catch and pass. I didn't realise how hard it was, and they'd been doing really well, the lad. And uh, and I, and then we went, went back into and the Bath Saracens was on, and it was sixty-two minutes gone, and there'd been no tries. Oh my god! <laughs> well, you guys are definitely playing a different game, which yeah. is exciting. Yeah. Um, how many women coaches there yesterday?
1: None. How are we going to oh, get? No, what was how really we cool get was
0: women coaches in the game. How are we going to? What's what's going to what's going to
1: happen? Um. What well, for me? I think. I think we just need to move away from the idea that you have to have played rugby to to be a coach because i think there's a lot of people out there who believe that you only know the game if you've actually played it yourself and i think there's a lot of merit to the fact that yes there's probably a few dark arts or things that you might know and you might have picked up had you been a player yourself but equally i just i think we should be doing more to encourage people who maybe have experience in coaching other sports who are looking. So for me, having coached diving and now got into rugby, the difference between how isolating and how individual and lonely coaching an individual sport is compared to the buzz of being in a club where you've got a thousand members and you've got all the parents on the sideline and you have interactions with people all the time to looking at a sport where as a coach you're on poolside the parents are either behind a a glass screen or they're up in a seating gallery and it's quite that for me was quite profound when I then transitioned into rugby that I absolutely love the team spirit side of things so I would imagine that there's a, a whole bunch of people who've got masses masses of coaching experience but not necessarily in rugby who once they learn the game would be absolutely fantastic rugby coaches um so, I think there's probably still a, a real kind of set route, not routine, I suppose, but whenever I'm doing coaching courses, I'd say 90% of the people, 95% of the people that go on those coaching courses are either dads or their schoolmasters, things like that. Very few mums coming on those courses. And I don't know whether that's because they're intimidated by how many dads there are coaching on the sidelines, or whether clubs are maybe not doing enough to kind of actively go looking for for those female coaches. I think mm-hmm. the mums get asked to do the first aid, the mums get asked to like help out with the barbecue and um, and that kind of thing, and it's the dads that are all on the sideline. So I just I'd love to see a few more mums approached um, about coaching. I'd love to see more. Clubs developing links with primary schools because I think if you look at um, the percentage of primary school teachers who are females, then I think you've got a, a massive opportunity to develop rugby within a primary school as well as if you if you took the time to develop the the teachers within that school. So part of my job at Trinity and part of the reason I was employed there was to to make Trinity more accessible and whether that's people coming to use the facilities or whether that's getting a a state school kid who might not realise that you can get scholarships and bursaries to an independent school to realise that actually, yes, a school like Trinity is um, somewhere that they could apply and go to. And so I go out to primary schools three mornings a week and I coach in those schools. And the level of enthusiasm from almost all of them are, are female teachers to want to learn the game, to want to have resources that they can then use to to go and then deliver the session they've watched you deliver to to other age groups. It wouldn't take clubs or secondary schools or other schools in the local area to share their resources and to just spend a bit of time helping teachers that have got the ability to deliver. They've they've got the ability to, to coach kids and teach kids, to just teach them the basics to get them started and I think you then get some of those teachers going and helping out at their local clubs, and and I just don't know whether we do enough of that to be honest.
0: My wife would be a good example. <clears throat> she works in a state primary school and she's good at coaching uh, netball. She'd be a rock star at rugby. I'm gonna yep. make I'm gonna make her coach this weekend. Yeah,
1: yeah, do <laughs> get her out of her comfort zone. <laughs>
0: What was coaching diving like? So I, I've never really coached individual sports so much. What's the, what's the, what's the cool stuff? What did you learn from coaching diving that you've, that you brought into rugby? What's the stuff that's not so cool?
1: Um, I'd say there's a lot more not cool stuff from a rugby perspective, only because diving's one of those sports where you're you're doing that joystick coaching. So the kid comes up out of the water you tell them what went right what went wrong um what they could do better it's so 90% of the information comes from the coach the only things that you really got from the diver was maybe what they could see or what they could feel and most of the time all that did was just reinforce their knowledge of okay what i should do in that situation but it's one of those sports where there's not a huge amount of decision making um you're not getting cues from anybody else. The only thing that you're having to work with is the diving board itself. Um and then everything else is down to you. So you look at takeoff, flight, entry, and get any one of those bits wrong and, and you absolutely know about it. So it was yeah, you couldn't kind of say, Oh well, I know you haven't tried this dive yet, so why don't you give it a go and see how you get on? Because someone yeah, they're exploring diving yeah there's you, you don't want to be you don't want to have that kind of freedom and chaos, and yeah it's okay to make mistakes because yeah they the divers probably wouldn't thank you for that, so it's it was a completely different coaching experience, i suppose um, there was a the loss of repetition, so it would almost be like. The only way I can describe it would be, you've got a kid and you're teaching a right hand pass, a left hand pass over set different distances, and you literally you might do 150 of those passes static, standing still, in exactly the same way with no variables, all session.
0: Yeah, I'm not that excited by diving because I'm scared. <laughs> of as Well, so. yeah, I, I think, think we, we
1: should do a magic academy like splash, and I think I should teach like you and Fletch and everyone yeah. how to dive. I think that would <laughs> be cool.
0: I'd love to see Waltz in Speedos. If nothing, else, <laughs> it would be worth it to see Waltz in Speedos. I reckon speedos.
1: Budgie Smugglers would definitely sponsor that.
0: Yeah. Um, I was going to ask a bit about uh, Gabs. So, um, did, you, did you cross over with Gabs at Trinity or not? No. What's the... No. Then really one of my favourite players I've coached really would be Gabs at Bataria, who's obviously at Trinity. What's the... And, and, yeah, I mean, just purely from a skill and a creativity point of view, I'd be excited. Um, What's his legacy like at the school? What Has he come back? What's that type of stuff? What's going on there?
1: Yeah, so he's come back a few times and we always make a point every year of taking our first form. They go and do the Guard of Honour at Harlequins and um, we always go and watch him play. And he he did a really lovely video message last year when the under-18s got into the NatWest final and he wished them all luck and he spoke about his time at Trinity and what it meant to him to wear the Trinity badge and... I just love that he's kind of not forgotten where he came from. And um, when I was at Quinn's not long ago, he came out and even though everyone else was in the changing rooms and getting themselves ready for their meal, he just came out and had a chat on on the side of the pitch. And yeah, we'd we'd all been there for our kind of end of season rugby staff night out. And yeah, he was asking how all the staff were. And there was there's just you can tell there was a genuine love for the school. And he'd never touched a rugby ball before he came to Trinity. So for him to to go from being a 10 or 11 year old at Trinity to then being where he is now at just 20, 21, um, for me is, is such a super cool journey. And it's testament to the experiences that he had at the school, that he was able to advance that quickly. And we've actually got a, a kid joining the sixth form this year. And he's absolutely unreal as a rugby player. And none of us even had ever heard of him and when he turned up to do his his session we always invite them in to come and do a session with the existing boys in their year group so that they get to know them before they join the school and we were chatting to him and we said oh so why why trinity and he said well i've i've done my research and um gabriel Ibatoye had never played rugby when he came to trinity and and now he's playing for for harlequins and and he's played england under 20s and and i want to be the next gabriel Ibatoye, so i wanted to come here and i just thought that's incredible. That's unreal that a, a lad who, yeah, he's a phenomenal athlete and actually reminded us so much of Gab's that he wanted to come to Trinity because he'd seen the, the journey and the enjoyment that Gab's had had coming through Trinity. And I just thought, wow, if there's, if there's ever a shop window for the school, then, then that's, that's the yeah, best one that you would want.
0: Our work is done. Better people. Be. Yeah. Right, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish Das with some one-worders. I'm going to tell you a word. You're going to say one word back. Rugby.
1: Fun. Diving. Ooh. Olympics. Trinity. Friends.
0: Alistair Kennedy. Legend. Ian Kench. Energy, can <laughs> she? Good lad, old ruts, home, nice, Carl Sinclair, legacy, nice, magic academy,
1: idols, <laughs> I'll take that, family, everything, coaching. Journey. Nice. It's an infinite it's an infinite
0: game. None of us yeah. ever get to the end. I was with some uh, coaches from Czechoslovakia today. So Diego used to be involved with Quinn's Academy, he's now over coaching in uh Czechoslovakia and his wife works for Lego, which I'm excited about going Oh that's
1: cool.
0: To hang with Lego. Have,
1: have you seen those new slippers that they've made, anti Lego slippers, so that if you tread on Lego it doesn't hurt your feet so bad.
0: We <laughs> need some of those with all the yep boys in our household um but we were we were talking about that so for the Czechoslovakian coaches we we got out the magic actually what we did today was we got the the kids to pick a card each day we're going to try and achieve in training and we got them we put the coaches up front and I and I held up each card for a coach challenge and I said which coach would benefit from this so they said this guy needs this one because he's never positive to us. This guy needs, it was class. And the coach,
1: oh,
0: <laughs> I was thinking, wow. Um, but fair play, the coaches were really, really good with it. And they were really like curious afterwards. And, you know, they, they really tried super hard. So the guy who I'd have a positive interaction with every kid had had like five or six, which was, you know, as he said, five or six more. So then it, then it would be normal. So he was, uh, I was trying to explain it's an infinite game we'll never there's no way anyone will ever do it with every kid you know there's was, there was 35 kids there if you do 35 kids in an hour fair play to you yeah um,
1: yeah for sure
0: but it was uh, yeah it definitely reminded me that it's an infinite game uh, and I, I was I was excited by the fact that the coaches were willing to to get some pretty uh, some pretty tough yeah. feedback from the kids
1: I might do that in our next staff meeting
0: yeah, strong, strong love. Thanks. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Really no problem. It. Um, we we'll definitely do it again soon. Maybe I'm, we'll... I'm
1: excited for Elsa's podcast when she starts hosting her own clip. I was more intimidated with her at the start before we recorded than I was with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's cool. She's, she's 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 pleased she gets to hang with dad tonight.
1: Yeah, I hope she finishes the ice cream before you even get there.
0: I'll tell you what, we'll do we'll do a um. We'll do a pod on the 13th. So we'll do one after we've done the day at uh, Trinity because yeah. we've got some miracle really cool plans for the day around gamification. So I think if at the end of the day we, we'll maybe do a pod then and that'll, uh, we'll maybe get Mr Kennedy and uh, Mr Kench involved as Definitely. well. Definitely.
1: Uh, we'll do a barbecue podcast. How about that?
0: Strong. Cool. Thanks so much. Have a good one and we'll you. see you
1: soon. Yeah, take care. Thank you. Cheers Spike. Cheers, Spike.